Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. George Norrie back with you along with Robert Elliott Smith. Let me tell you a little bit about uh, PhD type doctor Robert Elliott Smith. He's an expert in evolutionary algorithms, a researcher, a practitioner in artificial intelligence, more than 30 years experience. He has helped create software systems that have taught fighter jet maneuvers, describe immune system behavior, revealing emotions in financial markets, suggesting how social networks propagate and political polarization as well. Pretty good background, Robert. Welcome to the program. Uh, Nice to be here, George. How did you get involved in all of this? Well, a long time ago, I was uh, an engineering student uh, and didn't really want to be an engineer per se. I wanted to do something more interesting and started reading about AI back then in the 1980s when nobody knew what artificial intelligence really was. Um, I'm not sure anybody knows what it really is today either, but uh, I became interested in it. And I located a professor in in the engineering department at the University of Alabama or as a student who was doing some work in that area. And um, I then... um, became one of his Ph.D. students, and uh, everything follows on from there. Uh, and uh, eventually I became a professor at the University of Alabama and worked there for a while and then moved here to the U.K. where I live now. And uh, I've been working on AI as a consultant, as an academic, <clears throat> uh, as a businessman for, for quite a few years. Your book implies that we have basically taken advantage of this technology, and it may not be everything we think it is. Yeah, I <clears throat> I think AI is great. I think there's great stuff uh, about artificial intelligence. And by, by the way, I, I, I like the term pseudo-intelligence, but I'll talk about that a little bit later. We've sure. the time to talk. But um, uh, artificial intelligence is very useful, uh, a very uh, practical and, and useful tool. It's become a, really a ubiquitous part of our lives, uh, whether people know it or not. But when... Um, Technology like AI, uh, in particular AI, is directed at human beings and their lives. Uh, we begin to have some problems, and uh, what the book is about is, is a couple of things. One, trying to make people understand what AI is and what it isn't, because there's quite a lot of hype out there. And then second of all, uh, making people understand that AI doesn't think like us, and it doesn't understand us really. And uh, the things that they're hearing that say that it does are a bit dangerous, because AIs have an, uh, an impact on our society already. I think that impact is largely divisive. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it um, isn't, isn't doing a, a very good job socially. And so I think people need to understand it first, uh, then be able to react to it both in, in terms of, of their opinions and how they're expressed and how they vote, and, uh, and in terms of how they act online, how they uh, take suggestions from, from things that are suggested to them online, how they live day-to-day in a world that has ubiquitous technology everywhere. What is driving the artificial intelligence? Is it humankind, or are the machines themselves developing themselves? Um, That's a complicated question. Um, What's driving AI, really, what, what has made AI such a big thing today, of course, is that it's profitable uh, for somebody, because because effectively it's very profitable, just just like in the Industrial Revolution, that, where it was uh, profitable to displace jobs uh, with machines uh, in the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing's happening now. It's profitable to, to displace 
people with machines. It's also profitable to come up with new ways of using data to, to make, a, make a profit. That's what's really driving it. Uh, there hasn't been a great deal of technological change uh, between now and when I started in AI, really. But there's one other thing that's driving it that's very important. One, one thing is, is profit. Uh, another thing is that the availability of our data online is really an incredible free resource. So it's like somebody has struck oil. Uh, the, the development of the Internet provided this, this, uh, this, this resource that can be used to fuel AI very easily for free. Sometimes we even pay to have it done to us. And uh, that's really what's made it the insurgent thing that has become over the past, say, 10 years. Let's say 40 years ago, there was a company that made, uh, you know, beer, and with their bottles, they would have their machinery put caps on top of the bottles by Mm -hmm. the tune of thousands and thousands a minute. Uh, They just go zooming by. Uh, Would that be considered, even 30 or 40 years ago, artificial intelligence? Well, this is a really interesting question. I I think that um, the main thing that is a characteristic of AI is if it's something that we think is um, something that isn't really yet implemented, a bit of of technology that doesn't really exist yet. That's what we've usually called AI. And once it comes to be exist, then we stop calling it AI. Hmm. There was a time when all robotics was AI, and it's not anymore. There was a time when what we would call fairly simple programming, rule-based programming, where you just say, if this, then that in a computer, that would have been considered AI. It's, it's not anymore. That, that yardstick continues to move out into the, into the future. So AI is kind of a fantastical term that continues to describe something that doesn't quite exist. My argument is, is that it's all artificial intelligence in the sense that what is intelligence? It's, it's things that people do. Uh, what, are, what are machines doing? They're trying to imitate things that ultimately people could do. That's right. Now, but- the one thing that's the one thing that's changed recently is this, is on, with regard to scale and speed, uh, machines can do things people can't do. They can do things that are bigger and faster, but they're not things that people fundamentally can't do. There's nothing that machines do that we can't fundamentally do. So um, it's, it's a complicated term, AI, and we can mm-hmm. talk a lot about that if you want. And they take away, the machines take away the tediousness from a human being. I mean, what person wants to work for eight hours a day putting caps on a bottle? Indeed, uh, there is tedious work that is eliminated by technology, but uh, that's not enough. Uh, there's also lots of work that people love doing that's being uh, uh, right. you know, substituted for by technology as well. And uh, I've got to say, most of it is, is not done well by those machines. Uh, you know, it, it's not as if when we hear these rumors, and they are really rumors, that uh, machines are going to take a great many human jobs in the future. It may be true. They may take a lot of human jobs. They're not going to do them that well. I mean, uh, the example I always use that everybody understands is when I was a kid, and I'm sure when you were a kid too, if you called somebody up for customer service on the phone, you actually got a human being, and that human being talked to you and understood the problem. And, And now what do you get? You get a machine. And the machine does not do a better job than that human being, but it's been foisted upon us because it's more profitable to not have a human being employed in a seat Mm -hmm. helping people with their problems. Well, and now we're getting that machine calling us these robocalls. I get about 15 a day now, Robert. They drive me nuts. 
it's a plague in America. The uh, the robocalls, it, you know, that's not legal everywhere. I live in here in the UK. You don't really get many uh, robocalls in the UK, and when you get them, they actually are illegal. You're not supposed to have them. In America, it's an absolute plague, and it is an illustration of how. Uh, by using technology, uh, people who are trying to uh, grasp onto power or uh, make a living, make a profit, are uh, assaulting people. What really offends me in the robocalls are the ones that are manipulative and are obviously searching out people who can't make a decision well for themselves in order to exploit them. The, the, we get robocalls sometimes that say, I've heard about your car accident, and they're obviously some sort of scam right. trying to... Uh, that uh, that should be outlawed. I think it has been outlawed in some places, but we haven't gotten control on it yet. Yeah, it's truly uh, remarkable how those uh, phones can pinpoint who you are yeah. and uh, and trick you. And, and it's, trick it's interesting. You. My um, I maintain a few websites, and I maintain a website for my mom, and uh, because my mom's an artist. And uh, that website, I have the, exactly the same system on my website, so I'm using exactly the same technology. Everything's the same. I am almost never targeted by malware on that website. My mom is consistently <laughs> targeted by malware. And I think the, the only reason I can figure is somehow someone knows that she's an older person, and therefore she might be an easier target for things like malware. So, um, yeah, I, I think that this is one of the many ways that, that uh, big data and machines are trying to exploit people. Part of the subtitle in your book, Rage Inside the Machine, is called The Prejudice of Algorithms. What exactly, if you can explain to us, is an algorithm? It's some kind of sequence okay. of instructions or something, isn't it? Exactly. Uh, it's an interesting word. It, it uh, is a Latinization of the name of an Arab mathematician who's kind of foundational to all modern mathematics. Uh, in the kind of pre-Renaissance era, there was a guy's name I will mispronounce terribly, but it sounded vaguely like algorithm to a European ear. That, that was Latinized, uh, and Fibonacci propagated the ideas from that book, and then eventually Geoffrey Chaucer uh, anglicized the word, and that's how we have the word algorithm. What it means in the modern sense is a step-by-step -step procedure. And the way for people to understand this is, you know when you have a recipe, well, the, the recipe starts with the, the ingredients. And the ingredients are the things you're going to process. They're, the, they're the, the data that you're going to process, if you will. The instructions, how you um, stir things, how you beat the eggs, how you put it in the pan, how you put it in the oven, and for how long – that set of, of carefully followed instructions is an algorithm, effectively. It's an algorithm for making your cake. So, so effectively, an algorithm is a set of step-by-step -step procedures. Now, when I talk about algorithms in the book, I'm largely talking about the algorithms that we deal with day-to-day, -day, which are things on the Internet, and those have a, there's a certain kind of algorithm there that I'm talking about. And those, that kind of algorithm, I'm talking about why they are prejudiced. And I could talk a little bit, if you like, about why, say, algorithms are prejudiced. I'll take a stab at that Arab mathematician, Mohammed ibn Musa al-Khwarizmi. Yeah, yeah. Pretty I, I'm, close, I'm not huh? as you to try to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how, could, how could a 19th century mathematician come up with stuff like this? Well, uh, I mean, all mathematics is about step-by-step -step procedures to, for doing things and, you know, effectively step-by-step -step procedures from getting from one sort of number to another sort of number. Let's say 
you needed to calculate the side, uh, the the length of a side of a pyramid, and figure out how many how many stones you needed because you wanted it to be a certain height and you had to have a certain side. Well, the procedure you go through, which we all, we all would have learned something like that in, in mathematics in school, the procedure you go through is an algorithmic procedure. Uh, and, and so uh, even in the most basic mathematics, you have to begin to introduce the idea of algorithmics. Is it conceivable that artificial intelligence will get to the point where it makes up its own, I'll say mind, for lack of a better uh, thing, yeah. makes up its own mind, has emotion, does things on its own? Oh, those are, those are three separate questions. Uh, the, it makes up its own mind, and, and I think you do have to use the word mind in, in air quotes there. Uh, it already does that. I mean, there, there's, there, there's certainly algorithms that do things that, that were not predicted by their... Um, uh, by, by their programmers, you know that that's commonplace. Algorithms are doing stuff that we didn't know that they would do when we cranked them up already. Uh, there's lots of reasons they do that. Mm-hmm. You kind of think I, I told you the step by step procedure thing. How can a step by step procedure end up anywhere that we we didn't predict it to do? Well, the reason is is it's interacting with things like big data on the internet. There's a huge number of environmental variables that, as you're executing the recipe, the the oven is 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 changing places. The 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 ingredients are changing sizes, and the algorithm is, is responding to that. And so, its step by step outcome can be something that we would not expect because it's in a world we we didn't expect, and and it can be highly complex. Uh, now, does it have emotions? Emotions are a very complicated human phenomena. And I, uh, frankly, I think that emotions are bound up so much, not just with our mind and a bunch of step-by-step procedures in our mind, but with uh, things that go in our gut, things that go in our spine, things that go in our muscles, and things that go in our peripheral nervous system. Emotions are uh, tied to human feelings, and feelings are tied to our body and to our social interaction. Um, uh, algorithms uh, and AI are very far from from doing that, and and it's questionable whether they ever will get there because the way to get to having um, artificial humanity uh, is to to basically imitate a human in detail, and at some point that becomes a reduction to the absurd. You begin to basically say, well, we've got to just build cells. Um, uh, Effectively, uh, AI is very, very, very far from being like human intelligence. And I, the term intelligence is a bit confusing as well, and I, I talk mm-hmm. about that a bit in the book, too. So. There was a, a company where workers beat the living heck out of uh, robots because they were taking their jobs. I mean, they were clubbing it with bats and everything else, smashing these machines. Yeah. Is it uh, going to well, get... You know, the, the, the Luddites, uh, you know, le- the word Luddite is, is uh, a much-abused term that, that people basically... Back in the Industrial Revolution era, primarily in textiles, primarily in England, um, people's jobs were being displaced by machines. It's the original kind of displacement of jobs by machines is in the 18th century. And people started uh, breaking the machines, uh, violently breaking the machines. And uh, uh, that term, Luddite, comes from uh, a, a mythical character of one of these people who was one of the frame breakers, people who broke these machines. And uh, the Luddites have come, that basically the government, by the way, the British government put them down. They set tw- sent 12,000 troops and, and put them down um, as a movement. 
And the, the thing people forget is, is people kind of think of Luddism as being um, people who are unwilling to accept the inevitable progress dictated by machines. That's not historically accurate. What's historically accurate is uh, when uh, the mechanization came in, people were horribly oppressed by mechanization. The, the people were whipped, people were beaten, people had no job security, people got very sick in these factories because they had no health and safety. And people were rebelling against this change in their working conditions to, to basically being really quite horrible. Those were the Luddites. The Luddites were effectively protesters against uh, the abuse that they were receiving by the man who owned the machine. And it was put down. Uh, the Luddite rebellion was, was put down by, by force. Uh, and uh, it was actually made, um, breaking machines uh, was made a death penalty offense in England during the Luddite rebellion. So you could be put to death for, for breaking a machine. Now we are seeing, you know, new Luddism, you know, people rebelling against the machines. And I, I want people to remember that, that Luddism isn't about, uh, you know, a failure to basically accept the inevitable evolution of technology. It's about the fact that technology is often used to um, make life worse for the worker and better for the guy who owns the factory. And that's, there's nothing new about that. And what's new now is this, is the kinds of jobs involved have changed. I mean, it used to be just people working with machines in factories. Now it's white-collar workers are being displaced by machines. Yeah, and, right. and, you know, uh, y you, know you, you, you can't get the kind of job you get as a, as a newspaper editor, as a journalist anymore, because effectively now newspaper editing is, is a redundant job. Algorithms do that by serving you the news you get on social media. So, so effectively um, now we've got our cognitive, our thinking jobs being displaced by machines. And I'm here to tell you that machines do not do those jobs as well as people. Uh, they're very useful things AI can do, but the idea that, that it can do those thinking jobs that people do and the interrelationship jobs that people do, you know, relating to one another day to day, is just not true. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.